are listening to the Grassroots Sermon Podcast. For more information about who we are or how you can become involved, please visit us at grassrootswv.com. Father God, as we go into our time of teaching and uh, learning from your word, I pray that you would be glorified uh, through this time. Holy Spirit, move in our hearts. Um, reveal things in our lives that we need to let go of, that we are hanging on to, that we are allowing to control us instead of uh, Holy Spirit, instead of you controlling us. And so reveal those things. I pray that we would repent of them. As we go into a time of teaching, um, give me the words to say. Lord, I just step to the back. I ask that you would take control, that you would empower the words that I'm saying through your um, holy word, through the Bible, that you would... uh, Just use this time through your power to change lives, change hearts. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Just one quick thing before we roll into our time of teaching. Uh, If you're at home, you're not going to be able to see him. If you're in the theater, I'm going to ask them to wave real quick. They're going to be a little bit embarrassed. But uh, James and Dakota, will y'all just wave your hands real quick? Just put them. There you go. This is the new members of our family for the foreseeable future is James and Dakota. So looking forward to y'all getting to know them more. We've had a lot of fun with them this week so far. Um, so far, we're, you know, we'll find out as the weeks go. No, but um, they get to go over to Seneca Trail with our boys, with Kelly as students. So we're really excited about that. Um, Lincoln loves them because they love to play as much as he does. And so it kind of gets Luke and Gavin off the hook um, to run around with Lincoln. But I, I was... I was kind of overjoyed. I came home from a meeting last night. It was after dark, and I see James and Lincoln go running across the driveway, and I was like, you know, okay, house isn't on fire. Nothing's bad. What's going on? And I look up, and I see Gavin on the front porch, and I see Dakota, and they've been playing hide-and-seek for about three hours uh, just running around. And so it's, it's doing my heart good to watch them play and have fun. Um, look, at, They're embarrassed now, but that's okay. That's okay. So y'all are going to get to know them. Um, I'm going to leave it up to you to decide and figure out and learn which one's which. Uh, just so you make them talk to you. No, I'm just kidding. But um, just want to thank you for the prayers as we welcome them into our home to be a part of our family. And uh, they are a part of the grassroots family now. And so looking forward to you having the opportunity to get to know them more as well. So if you would, grab your Bibles, go to Acts chapter 4. Grab your Bibles, go to Acts chapter 4. If you're using your phone, go for it. Use an app. Just make sure that your little games don't ping and go, oh, you didn't do this yet, and you want to flip over to that, or Facebook you know, indicates that there's another church and you decide to watch them online while you're watching here. You know, Don't do that. But, uh, but Acts chapter 4, and so we are in our series. I know we've had a lot of uh, guest speakers here recently talking about a lot of cool things going on, but we are in our series on the five solas. If you are not familiar with the five solas, Solas, we are covering um, some some doctrines that came out of something known as the Protestant Reformation, okay? Um, And so go ahead and go over to the next one, Steph. Uh, The five, if you look up here, you're going to see, or on your screen at home, you're going to see these are five kind of um, teachings, tenets of the Catholic Church, uh, where they would say, hey, um, yes, you come to uh, faith in Jesus, uh, but it's also with works, and it's by God's grace, but also merit, and to the glory of God, and to the glory of Mary and other saints, 
by Christ alone and other mediators, we'll cover that, and then scripture plus tradition of the church. And so the Protestant Reformation was kind of born out of, um, at the time, a single man, Martin Luther, that grew into many men and women that read the Bible for themselves and started to realize some things that were being taught in the church that shouldn't have been. And so we now look at the five solas as... um, Go ahead and go to the next one as grace alone, faith alone, to God's glory alone, through Christ alone, and Scripture alone, period. Like, done. Like, no, don't add anything to it. Don't try to take away from it. Don't go, yeah, it's by grace, but you don't have to have faith. No, no, it's both. Yeah, it's to God's glory, and also, no, it stops there. It is through Christ plus. No, it ends. It is through Christ, and we trust Scripture alone as the sufficient word. Now, um, I want to just start off today uh, looking at, you don't have to turn there to be on the screen, John chapter 14, verse 6. This has been a discussion with Jesus and his disciples, and they have asked some questions and he's been answering, and he's actually made the statement that, hey, um, I'm going to be going away and and my father's building a place for my people and and we're going to go there. And they're like, hey, we want to go. And he's like, but you can't go. And they're like, show us the way. And and he says this, Jesus said to him, okay, to Thomas is the particular disciple who asked, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the father except except through me. And so looking at that, that's a very bold statement saying, hey, I am not one of the ways. I'm not an option. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And and we lean on that quote. There's actually... um, a really good quote by Victor Culligan and, and Robert Yarborough in their book, actually entitled In Christ Alone. It says, the divine revelation of solus Christus, which is what we are covering today in Christ alone, is only known through sola scriptura and God's grace, sola gratia, and the gift of faith, sola fide, are given so that the believer might turn to Christ. We lean on these things alone. And that's, I want to just kind of help you. That's a bold, bold statement. To not say, hey, we are one of the paths to God. We are one of the ways that Jesus is an option, but to say Jesus is the only option. And a lot of people get mad at that going, you know, don't all religions have a little bit of truth? Aren't they all basically good? And aren't they all basically a way to get to God, to get to heaven? In a book Timothy Keller wrote called The Reason for God, you can actually get it out on um, our shelves out in the lobby, um, if you ever want to get one. Makes a great Christmas gift. Okay, so uh, he actually brings this up in um, a chapter just talking about, do all religions have the same truth? I want to read this to you. Sometimes this point is illustrated with the story of the blind men and the elephant. Anybody ever heard this? I've actually used this a little bit myself, but um, I always give him credit though. I'm not like, I'm not that clever to figure something out like that. So it's not like wow, that's a really good illustration. I go, thank you. Took me never because I read it in a book. Um, Sometimes this point is illustrated with the story of the blind men and the elephant. Several blind men were walking along and came upon an elephant that allowed them to touch and feel it. This creature is long and flexible like a snake, said the first blind man holding the elephant's trunk. 
Not at all. It is thick and round like a tree trunk, said the second blind man, feeling the elephant's leg. No, it is large and flat, said the third blind man, touching the elephant's side. Each blind man could feel only part of the elephant. None could envision the entire elephant. In the same way, it is argued, the religions of the world each have a grasp on part of the truth about spiritual reality. But none can see the whole elephant or claim to have a comprehensive vision of the truth. Let's explain. This illustration backfires on its users. The story is told from the point of view of someone who is not blind. How could you know that each blind man only sees part of the elephant unless you claim to be able to see the whole elephant? I'll give you a more local illustration. Go ahead and go to the first picture. This should be on your screen at home. Anybody know what this is? Go ahead and just say it. Capitol building. Awesome. Very good. Go ahead and go to the next one. That is the West Virginia State Capitol building. Now, Debbie, how did you know that was the Capitol building? You've been there. So you've seen it. You saw the whole thing. Even though she saw just a portion of the building, she knew, and y'all knew, and maybe at home you knew, the whole building, you knew what it was. Not because you had just a little glimpse of it, because you had seen the whole thing. You had seen the whole picture. And so it's the same way when somebody says, hey, all religions have truth. That is actually taking a superior stance to say, I have seen the whole of truth, and I know that each one has a little bit. Instead of recognizing that the truth is, as Jesus said, he is the only way to God. Not one of many. He is the only way to God. And so in Acts chapter 14, uh, we're going to see just very briefly what we're talking about this morning. So Acts chapter 14, uh, or Acts chapter 4, I'm sorry, if you started turning again, I'm sorry. Acts chapter 4, uh, in verse 1, this is, let me just give you some, some uh, background, okay? Acts. How many of you were here for our series going through Acts? We went, we went all the way through Acts verse by verse. And what we see in Acts at the very beginning, Jesus has already, what we see from the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, first four books of the New Testament, Jesus has been born, lived his life, lived through his ministry, he has died, he's been buried, he has resurrected, and then we see at the beginning of Acts his ascension up to, back to the Father in heaven. So he has gone back to heaven, all right, taken his place at the right hand of the Father, all right, and then we see the disciples go back to Jerusalem waiting, and the Holy Spirit comes, and the day of Pentecost happens, and the Holy Spirit descends and indwells the believers there in the upper room. They begin speaking in tongues, and miracles are happening, and things start going on, and the church begins to grow, and so much that at one point, Peter just stands up and preaches one of the most powerful sermons ever, and then as the church goes, as the church grows, there comes this point where uh, Peter heals a lame man near the city center. Well, because of that, they are now arrested and being questioned. And that's where we see in Acts chapter 4, 
um, what we find the disciples going through. And this is what it says. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly, I love this, greatly annoyed, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Sorry, getting over, not getting over COVID. Rest easy, all right? Just some sinuses. Okay, Um, verse 5. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? So they see the church growing. They see these miracles happening. And then they see um, this man be healed who had been lame since he was young. And, and they see these things and they arrest them because they said, hey, you're, you're preaching this resurrection of the dead and, and you know, you're doing this and we see this man be healed. And you'd actually see later in the chapter that they couldn't refute the man being healed because he was actually standing among them and he was like 40. So he was like, hey, this is me. You know me. I was healed. I've been this way since I was young, and now I'm healed. And, and they, you can't refute that. And so they said, how are you doing this? That's the question. How are you doing this? Or in what name are you doing this? And this is where we get to the point today in verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Verse 10. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him... This man is standing before you well. They said, you want to know? You want to know why the church is growing? You want to know why people's lives are being changed? Do you want to know why you're seeing these miracles? Do you want to know why this man is healed? Do you you want to know how we're doing this and in what name? Easy. One name, Jesus. Jesus is the reason we're doing this. Jesus is why we're able to do this. It's because of Jesus that this is happening. Now, for us who've been raised in America, who've been raised maybe around the church, even if you haven't been raised around the church, you hear the name of Jesus all the time. Maybe sometimes not in the best context, but the name is very common. And so when we hear Jesus, we go, oh yeah, that's Jesus. Christmas is coming, don't we? Yeah, it's when he was born. Oh, Easter's coming. That's, you know, right about then is when he died. It's like, but, but what they're saying, listen, it's because of the work of Jesus in his birth, life, death, burial, resurrection. It's because of these things that he proved he is who he says he is 
And it's because of that that the power of the Holy Spirit has come and they are able to do these works that everybody's seeing. It's because of Jesus. Now, we see echoed from John 14, 6, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. We see that echoed in verses 11 and 12. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. He says that, you know, they're, they're preaching the gospel now. Like even in front of these men who would rather kill them than let them go. They're preaching the gospel like you rejected him. You had him killed. You thought you were getting uh, rid of him, but he is now building his kingdom. He is the cornerstone. If you're not familiar with the cornerstone, when they would lay a foundation uh, by stones, that first stone was always the biggest, and it was always made sure to be set perfect. They would redo it and redo it until it was perfect, because um, I can remember I worked for a land survey crew for a year. Very interesting time you know, for me, just kind of getting to know that. And I remember we had to lay out um, where a road was going to be going. And uh, they already had uh, a portion of a road there. And, but houses were already built. So we're laying it out like this is, we're out there putting stakes in the ground so the construction workers know where to put the stuff. And we were, if, if you're not familiar, everything, anybody familiar with surveying at all? Okay, a few of y'all, okay. Everything's built on triangles, you have the spot where you were, you have the spot where you are, and you have the spot where you're going. And because of that, they do what's called triangulate, and they can figure out where you're at and distance and, and layout and everything like that. So they figure that out. So we had set up on where we were, shot where we had been, and now we're shooting where we want the things to go. Okay? And by shooting, I mean there's a laser and like a guy holding a prism. Maybe you've seen him on the side of the road doing these things. Okay? But the further we get down the road, the further we find ourselves creeping into this poor guy's yard. And we finally shot the last one, and it was like the road's going to end up at this guy's front door. Something's not right. <laughs> like something's messed up because we're pretty sure this guy's driveway is not the road. So what do we do with that? Like what, and what we did is we, we went back and found out that due to construction and everything, I'm not kidding, that nail, that spot we were sitting, was off about that much. But because that was off about that much, the further you got away from it, the further off you were. It got worse and worse and worse until this guy was going to have a direct line for every road in, or for every car into his house. And so that cornerstone had to be perfect so that the rest of the building could be built properly and correctly. And they are preaching, hey, you thought you were getting rid of Jesus, but his kingdom is being built. He is that perfect cornerstone that was now set. And now that kingdom's being built on him. And there's almost this, um, this feeling behind it that, just to be honest with you, there's almost this feeling behind it that like, hey, it's being built and there's nothing you can do to stop it. There is nothing you can do. And they end this portion with this. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved.
in Christ alone. It is not by any work of our own. It is not by any tradition of the church. It is not by any merit. It is not by anything that we do. It is in Christ alone. I remember the testimony of a teenager one time when, we were, when I was a youth pastor. And I asked him the question like, hey, um, we want you to give us your testimony, your, your story, how you came to faith in Christ. And do you know what his testimony was? It was very short, which is, I mean, that makes it easy to read. But here's the testimony. The testimony was, my mom's taken me to church since I was born. That was his testimony. That was his story of how he came to faith in Christ. My mom took me to church since I was born. So I'm going to ask you this question. And listen, we're going to close with this. If you're at home watching in the theater, you have to ask your question. Whether you know that you have a relationship with Christ or not, or if you're just thinking, I, I'm unsure, you're like, I know. I do. Everybody can ask themselves this question right here. And I want you to just think about it. My relationship with God the Father is based on Jesus. Okay, you're like, well, that's not a question. Darren, go back to school, learn, you know, English. Okay, here's the question part. My relationship with God the Father is based on Jesus. What follows that? Does the statement, my relationship with God the Father is based on Jesus, does a period come at the end of that for you? No matter who's listening or where you're listening, does a period come at the end of that? My relationship with God the Father is based on Jesus. Christ alone, period. Or is it followed by a list of good works? Is it followed by a list of religious activity? Is it followed by I'm a good person? Like my relationship with God the Father is based on Jesus and the fact that I have been a good person. Or is it my relationship with God the Father is based on Jesus and the fact that I've been around the church my whole life? If anything other than a period ends that statement, then you are not putting your faith in Christ alone. It should be our relationship with God the Father is based on Jesus. Done. Nothing, nothing more, nothing less. When you think about that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven, and you begin to think why. I'm just, listen, track with me. Don't, don't, don't be lost here. If you're sitting there thinking, yes, I have been faithful. My faith is in Jesus. And listen, and just in case... I've really tried to live the best. Then it's not ending with the period after Jesus. You're adding something to it. Your faith is in something other than Jesus and Jesus alone. If you're looking at it and you're saying, yes, my faith is in Jesus, but um, you know, I, I have been so faithful to the church and I serve and I, I try to do so much, then you're not ending that statement with the period and your faith is not in Christ alone. Our faith and our relationship to God the Father is based on the work of Jesus on the cross and the empty tomb. And that's it. If it goes any further for you, then your faith is not in Jesus alone. And you are somehow basing your relationship with God on your ability to be a good person. 
or to follow the rules or to follow some kind of religious tenets. When we say in Christ alone, we mean in Christ alone, period. End of statement. End of sentence. So I leave you with that today. In Christ alone, my relationship with God the Father is based on Jesus. How does that statement end for you? Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what happened in Acts and the arrest of the disciples and their boldness for you and what we can learn from that. I pray for everybody who is in the room listening, for everybody who's at home watching and listening. Lord, I pray for everybody who is going to watch this uh, in the weeks to come that you would just use this time to reveal in their hearts that they're putting their faith in anything other than Christ alone. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just Give them the faith that they need to put their faith in Christ, in Christ alone. Please, Father, just transform hearts and lives through this. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.